Hello and welcome to The Consistency Project with E.C. Sinkowski. My name is Patrick Cummings and every episode I have the privilege of having a discussion with E.C. on subject matters that range from nutrition to fitness to the choices we can all make to live a healthier, more functional life. By exploring both the principles at play and the actions worth carrying out as a result, it's our goal to get you thinking, get you moving, and get you taking more consistent steps toward optimizing your well-being. Thank you so much for tuning in. How are you, E.C.? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. We are bringing back for a second round hotcakes. Trying it which, again. Which was really my excuse to make you answer questions that you probably wouldn't answer otherwise or look at things <laughs> that maybe you wouldn't otherwise. So hotcakes is when I, throughout the weeks of being on the internet, as I am, I've started to kind of save various things that I come across that either I'm just, frankly, I just kind of want your opinion on, mm. or I'm just so baffled that I don't even know where to begin. Mm. Obviously, all in the, on the world of nutrition and health and, and maybe a little bit of fitness when we get into it. And the game here is I'm going to, 24 hours before we record, I send you three links, mm-hmm. and then, I, and then we, we log on here and you give us your, your hotcakes, your hot takes mm-hmm. on each one of these. So we've got three, as we did the first time around, we've got three different, completely unrelated subjects. Are you ready to dive in? Let's do it. Okay. So this first one, <laughs> this first one's from Instagram. And again, the point of this, the purpose of this isn't to like throw people under the bus. And so where, yeah. so generally speaking, I'm going to avoid naming people. I'm going to, yeah. uh, you know, if it's a product, I'm probably not going to name it because the point isn't the people. The point is just the idea and the conversation around those ideas. So I found this on Instagram, I believe as a trainer or bodybuilder or something, but he's, he's, he has a relatively large audience. The post says, I feel badly for women trying to get in shape. They are constantly sold a specific look and told they aren't sexy until they look like X. Then in an effort to get them to look like X, all manner of BS diets, cleanses, and scare tactics are used to get them sold on snake oil. Mm. And so my question to you, the, the, we've talked around this a little bit. I don't think we've ever used the word sexy before, but like the, this is kind of part of the stuff we've talked about before. And so my, my, in thinking about that and thinking about what your opinion on what it was, was, is the sort of the tension in your mind or that you've, you've experienced yourself between, I don't know what to call it other than like facts and between like the basics mm-hmm. and selling people the thing that they want so that maybe you have a chance to give them the basics or give them what they want. In other words, like this concept of, you know, selling them, you know, you, you, you will look like X, you will look mm-hmm. sexy if you only do this thing. Unfortunately is how a lot of people actually get off their butt and make a decision and say, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go change my diet. I'm going to go try something that I haven't tried before. And so in your experience, the thing that I thought about here is like, how do you balance the need to, for lack of a better way, like sell the vision, mm-hmm. but not sell them snake oil. Like that's a tension to me that in my own work I've seen in the folks that I work with, I've seen the, it's the question like, how do you sell people fruits and vegetables? I don't know. <laughs> maybe you need to tell them that you're going to look really good in a bikini next summer. If you eat the, like yeah. that to me is the tension. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. So I've purposely, and particularly with social media, because that's kind of was my lead platform to start working on this project, I guess we could call it was, can I have a conversation about nutrition that's not driven by the aesthetic? Yeah. Not pictures of me, not that, you know, I'm necessarily saying anything about my aesthetic, but not pictures of me, not pictures of other bodies of what the end state is, which is very, very common in the fitness and nutrition space to use, to Mm -hmm. only talk about it with a video of the person or the physique that you're trying to do. And I want to be clear is I'm not 
putting that down as a tactic because it certainly does motivate people. But there's also physiques that are on the covers of these magazines or are big influencers that are not the only way to achieve health. Mm -hmm. In fact, I saw another study recently, and we've talked about it before somewhere, but it's like body fat percentages that are associated with longevity are are not the same body fat percentages that we see on the cover of Muscle and Fitness. It's Mm -hmm. much higher. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to try to give the latitude for people to come up with their own goal in their mind and to come up with their own metric in their mind of what's meaningful. Because, you know, you can shoot for X all day, but if X just makes you feel like you're worthless and you're never enough, then I don't know that this is going to be a lasting remedy. <laughs> mm, yep. we, can, we can get there, but if, if the idea was I am worthy when I get there, then how long is the diet change going to stick? Probably mm-hmm. not very long. And so, mm-hmm. you know, by design, I wanted to have a a conversation about nutrition that wasn't focused on what it should look like, look, Mm -hmm. look like in the physical, which Mm. admittedly is hard. (laughs) And so I don't know that I have the answer about it, but I do think it's like, put the onus on the person. What do you want? What do you want? What's your goal? I can help Mm. you get there, but I'm not going to tell you what the goal should be. You tell me what the goal is. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit, we did an early episode, but it's, it's a really good one. If folks haven't listened to it, health, weight Mm. and worth, I think, Mm -hmm. That just that just popped in my mind. I'm curious, and I'm not at all interested in in casting blame where where yeah. blame isn't useful. But do you feel like you know again thinking about this as like people keep trying to sell you X, whatever that is, right? Look mm-hmm. sexy, build muscle, look sexy, right? Yeah. We should also name a podcast. Yeah. Is the onus of that responsibility on the people saying, "Oh, I can get you looking sexy. I can give you the six pack. Just do that," or is it on the people who keep saying, "That's what I want. I'm going to mm-hmm. go. I'm going to go get sexy. I'm going to go get the abs." You know, I guess it's just the, the the old chicken and the egg. Like if people weren't consistently aiming for those short term goals, would people continue selling them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> right? we create our are we own just, market. Are we, are we, yeah. yeah, are we? Are we collectively? Are we just? continually too distracted by the shiny objects for our own good? Probably. I mean, this is, we see this in the food industry. I mean, we have processed food all around us because we buy it. I mean, yep. it's quite successful for businesses to sell it, <laughs> but yeah. we continue to buy it. So I think right. it's, I think it's the same sort of thing. I mean, certainly taking a supplement or certainly some shake diet that you order, you know, for three weeks is, is way easier than committing to a lifetime of consistent hard work. Again, I don't want to put people I don't want to put people down who show their physique or use their physique because yep. in many cases they are working very hard. I know many people who show their physique and they are eating mostly yep. whole unprocessed foods consistently and they are very have a great work ethic and people do like a certain aesthetic. And so that's fine if again, I think that's a fine thing to use and if people want to choose to do that, that's fine. I guess I would just like the idea of giving people the latitude to pick whether or not that is their goal. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, I don't think it's a problem for people to use their physique specifically if they're not selling snake oil. Like if, if they have their physique because of fruits and vegetables and hard work and that's their message and they use their physique to go along with it. Fine. Fine Mm -hmm. enough. It's only, Mm -hmm. I think in my case, in a case where, you know, it's like, look at my abs now buy my, fat burning supplement. We we really have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Okay. Super interesting. Next one we're going to look at 
is an article that I came across, and I don't, the article itself isn't really the point, it's what, it's what it's about. The title of the article is, the FDA considers a quote unquote healthy food label. Just kind of give you a little bit of context, is the article shows six different kind of just d logo designs or designs for what this healthy, this FDA healthy kind of check mark type logo might look like on the food. And the article starts with the, the FDA is testing designs of a label that food manufacturers could could voluntarily put on the food the front of packages indicating a product is again quote unquote healthy. The effort is controversial in part because of the meaning of healthy continues to evolve. And uh, among the goals the FDA says are to provide consumers who have an unsophisticated understanding of nutrition with an easy way to make choices in the supermarket and to coax food manufacturers to improve their products. And so I don't think we've talked about this before, but I'm curious your thoughts on this as an idea, this idea mm. of, you know, okay, now there's this voluntary label that manufacturers can put on their food to, de to, to designate that this is healthy. Yeah. I have lots of thoughts on this. This is actually on my list of potential podcast episodes to oh, review some of the strategies that have been tried to change eating habits. Yep. Labels are some of them. Something like this would be some of it. There's some labels that I think are more popular or have been tried more in South America or Europe with like a traffic light, red, mm -hmm. yellow, green type idea of purchasing. There's also been experiments where they've changed the design of the store of where things are located. Mm. There's yep. also things like sugar tax, which I know I talked about in bonus episodes as well of like, how can we create behavior change? And so I really like the idea. And I think all of the attempts are good ideas. I don't think we have a ton of convincing evidence. They do much. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like when you pick up the Cheetos, do I need a traffic light that has a red instead of a green? I mean, most people, when they buy Cheetos, I don't care their level of nutrition knowledge. They know that it's not broccoli, mm. right? And so it's like, does this really do anything? Mm -hmm. I don't know that it does. I don't know that it does. I don't know that labels do much of anything. There's so many things that are labeled on there anyway. I mean, they already have, in my opinion, a pretty good label about nutrition information. They mm -hmm. already have lots of regulation about what you're allowed to call low sodium, low fat, high protein, you know, whatever. You know, it, it doesn't really change the overall diet. It reminds me a lot of uh, the it's never one thing principle, right? Like when we yep. focus on maybe just labeling something low sodium or low fat, like that doesn't tell us anything. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. So to me, it's a big question of how I, I, I love the ideas. I think we need to keep working on the ideas because this is a problem. But I don't know, another label? How much, how much time do you spend looking at labels when you buy things? Right. Yeah, I guess not that much. What, what what the interesting thing is that I think about though is the label of organic mm. certainly seems to have gotten more people to believe that organic is better. I guess mm. maybe I don't know that it's that it's changed anybody's mind, but maybe if I if I'm in the grocery store and I'm of a certain mind and I see, you know, organic lettuce and whatever, conventional lettuce or not not mm -hmm. labeled lettuce, again, if I'm of a certain mind, I would default to organic and I think that that's Entirely because they started putting organic on some things and left them off the other things. Mm -hmm. So in that way, organic seems to have changed behavior to the degree that it has. Yeah, organic definitely, we actually talked about this, I think, in the organic podcast. Organic definitely comes with a lifestyle. Yep. It definitely comes with 
you know, eating more whole foods, oftentimes kind of more of a vegan slant, often more of a fitness slant, particularly yoga. And I'm not trying to do this to paint with a broad brush, but this is, these are the trends that we see. And so it's very interesting that, yes, that is a food label that I think transcends a little bit, partially because it's become an identity and it's not just a label like gluten-free or something like that or low sodium. So that is an interesting one. And so maybe that's how the FDA can be successful with these potential healthy labels as they become an identity that people want right. to, they okay. become a brand. I just go back right? to the FDA needs a better Instagram account. Yeah, they need a like... better Instagram. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I think is a solution, and I forget which podcast we talked about this in, but, you know, the behavior change, in my opinion, if it's something like this, like a labeling or sugar tax idea, it, it needs to be significant enough that people notice it. Mm-hmm. Another label, mm, very mm. rarely do people notice because they're mm-hmm. just grabbing things at the grocery and going and they like this thing, right? Or yep. a sugar tax. If it's three cents on a soda, it doesn't matter to people. If yep. it's $10, maybe we'll start to notice. And so I actually, oh, yeah, we were talking about it. I I like the opinion of, because again, we have to think about like, how do we do this with cigarettes? Mm-hmm. And it's like, one laws, but two, where it's sold and how it's sold and how convenient and accessible it is. And so I, in my opinion, I think the way to do this is not more labels and not even a sugar tax because it wouldn't, you wouldn't put like $10 on a soda. Right. It's to restrict how and where it's sold Mm -hmm. that you can't line every checkout line with this stuff that yes, you can sell snacks, but it has to be in an aisle that's not overpopulating and or whatever, or if you're like an electronic store or a shipping store and most of your revenue comes from non-food, yep. you can't be selling food. Yep. Stuff, stuff like that. Now, are those perfect answers? No, but it's something about the accessibility of it that it's still available and it's still the cost of which it costs. We're not trying to jack around the prices that much, but it's more about just access and how constantly around it is than like another label. People are so, have so much going on and so many notifications that another label, it's like... <laughs> I don't think it's going to do it. I like the idea. I like the attempt. When I was in high school, we had attached to the cafeteria. We had this little like student run store. And I'm not exaggerating when I say every single day I went in and I bought a Mountain Dew and like a miss, a little Debbie thing. Yep. How was it allowed that those things were, were, or how was it allowed that those were even remotely accessible to me as a 14 year old with $2 in my pocket? Like, of course I'm going to go buy a Mountain Dew and a little Debbie. And that's been some of the, a lot of focus is looking at schools and taking away vending machines. And that's just yeah. exactly what they did with cigarettes. Like you can't yeah. buy cigarettes via vending machines, right? Yeah. These are the things that I have to, that I think are going to be more useful because it's, there's, they're everywhere. Once you see it everywhere, you cannot unsee it. And so then it becomes, I think more like alcohol or cigarettes where it's, we have to contain it a little bit. It's not bad. We can eat it, but how do we just get it out of our face constantly? Yeah. Last question or comment. It it, it strikes me that a label like this, uh, you know, an FDA healthy Mm. is actually more valuable right next to the label of something like gluten-free. Mm. Because we've been we've been kind right. of tricked into this idea that gluten free equals healthy, and so now you can say gluten free, not healthy. Yeah. <laughs> or or where is the healthy sticker? Right? right. Oh, it's not because right. you know what? Just because there's no gluten in it doesn't mean it's actually good for you. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I thought you were going to say that perhaps it shows that something that's kind of more in the organic genre mm-hmm. is also then endorsed by the government, which classically are kind of coming at it from two different angles. Right. So it's interesting, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think the labels are just, 
I don't think we're going to get very far. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. Moving on. Last one. And this is one of those, as I alluded to at the start, sometimes I'm just so confused that I just have to send it to you and ask you what <laughs> this means. And that's what this one is. And it's about uh, detoxification and drainage. And so this is, again, this is from Instagram. The original poster has about 27, 28,000 followers. They label themselves as functional medicine and holistic healing, and they list themselves as a doctor. Again, just, just for the context. And the post is just a big image w with words. It says, as you increase detoxification, make sure you are coincidingly increasing drainage. <laughs> And a bit of the, and a bit of the the caption is just I cannot tell you how often this issue is overlooked in the healing process, leading to detox symptoms, weight gain, inflammation, hormone disruptions, disruptions, and increased toxicity. When the body cannot properly drain, there is increased stress and toxicity in your bloodstream, and from there, once once again, systemic issues arise. And there's a little bit more, but I think that's enough to give everybody a sense, and your laughter is enough to give folks a sense of generally how you feel about this. But just like what I don't understand what. This this is about. I don't understand. So if you can at least give me enough context as to like what this person's at least attempting to argue for, that'd be super helpful. Yeah. I mean, I think they're talking largely about the lymphatic system, which kind of collects materials and fluids and from our tissues and filters it through. The way though that we detoxify, it's our liver and our kidneys, and then we get rid of stuff in our bowel movements, urine, sweat, mm -hmm. you know, very natural things that we do anyway. And so when it says like when your body cannot drain, I'm chuckling because ultimately, you know, after the lymphatic system does its stuff and we detoxify, like we drain via going to the bathroom, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, drain in the sense of how we actually eliminate it. Right. Yeah. And so that's why I'm just like laughing. It's sort of like, okay, so we're educating people that they need to go to the bathroom, you know? <laughs> I guess that's sort of why I'm chuckling because it's like this stuff happens naturally. I think there's this yeah. idea that we can really fix it or manipulate it. If we needed detoxification or if we had some way to manipulate it and control it. Yeah. I mean, we would know and we would be doing it. It's our liver and our kidneys that are doing it quite well on their own. Now mm -hmm. there are conditions like lymphedema where people do have lymphatic drainage issues and there can be problems with that. And there can be infections with that. But again, that's not just sort of like everybody walking around needs to be worried about how their lymphatic system is doing. Like it's, it's going okay. Uh, <laughs> and mm -hmm. yes, of course we want to have enough water and enough fiber and enough good food so that our our GI system is not constipated and that we actually use the restroom. But beyond that, like trying to worry about this stuff is trying to educate people about something that is not much of a concern mm -hmm. outside of some specific conditions and is going quite well on its own. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so um, like, I looked at the post, sorry to jump in no, there, no, but you know, some of the stuff it's like eating more fiber yeah. and yeah, you know, staying hydrated. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's the benefit of this stuff. Then it talks about things like, you know, dry brushing your skin and a, no, we, we don't have evidence that's going to do anything more than what your lymphatic system is, is doing. Right. And so some yeah. of this stuff, again, we get mixed up with, couple good pieces of information and then these like specific ideas of treatments that don't do anything. Right. One of the things, and I, I said it kind of at the start, like th this, this, this account, this person labels themselves as like functional medicine and holistic healing. Mm -hmm. And I know you've got some background in functional medicine. 
I don't think we've done a, a deep dive on like what that even means. And so mm. maybe for the future, that could be a, an episode in and of itself. Yeah. But is there a tendency in the world of functional medicine to do this kind of thing mm -hmm. to, I don't, and again, I don't know like exactly even what I'm asking, but like where it's like 70%, like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And then 30% is like, where did that come from? <laughs> right. It's like, is there, is there for some reason a tendency for folks in this space to wander off into whatever this other land might be considered? Yes. Or is that just like, I just sometimes see it and I'm, I'm attributing functional medicine with again, this woo woo kind of yeah. stuff. No, there's a lot of woo in functional medicine. There's a lot of yeah. good stuff. A lot of the good stuff in functional medicine is the basic stuff. You know, we have to address basic diet and lifestyle practices. That's great. You know, a lot of the concept of functional medicine is we treat the person as a whole person. Like if you have a kidney issue, we don't just look at the kidney. We have to look at the whole yep. person. And yep. yes, I get it. But we also do need nephrologists. Like we need people who know the kidney and know all of the different functions and cells and exactly what's going on. Because this stuff gets hyper-specific once we actually start looking at a true disease. So it's like a nice idea, but it, it you know, again, the power is the, looking at the basics that we all know kind of from a preventative point of view. And I think, again, it, it helps a lot of people who have health anxiety that it's more of a psychological benefit than necessarily, mm -hmm. you know, all of these supplements and protocols are, are doing much. Now, this doctor happens to be a naturopathic doctor, an ND. To be a naturopathic doctor, you go to a four-year school and, you know, it's not the same as going to go and get your MD. And there's lots of problems and different protocols that come out of potentially people that are doing NDs. And this is a big point of contention about whether or not NDs have the same scope of licensure as MDs. And certain mm. states have given NDs way more latitude than M uh, than other states. And it's just a big point of contention. And there's a lot of people trying to fight against it. There's other people saying that, you know, you're trying to keep people from the truth and <laughs> not get all of these alternative treatments that are quite healing and, and yeah. all of this stuff, which is really unfortunate. I think, again, a lot of the stuff that's good in the functional medicine space has to do with basic practices that deals with psychological issues better. And I would also potentially say in the GI disorder realm, I think there's more from kind of a basic lifestyle practice that could be incorporated into the conventional medicine space. But that's, so I don't have to worry yeah. about my drainage. Thing. No, I would. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't worry about the drainage system. Okay, good. I'm happy to hear that. All right, EC, that was super fun. I really like this format. Hopefully folks do as well, because this is fun for me to, to send EC things like this. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. Thank you, EC. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. EC and I will be back soon with another episode of The Consistency Project. here. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Thank you as well for all the support for the five-star ratings and the reviews and for telling your friends or family about the podcast that really does help the podcast grow. And if you want to get the most recent info from me and be up to date on all of my content, the best place for that is my email list. So you can subscribe at optimizemenutrition.com slash email. 
I send out emails weekly-ish. <laughs> and that's also the best place to get your question in the queue for Quick Bites episodes. So again, that's optimizemenutrition.com slash email. And there's also a link in the show notes.